Welcome to the Wisconsin Football Coaches Podcast with your hosts, Tom Swiddle, Tom Yashinsky, and Paul Navinsky. Now let's join the guys. And what we'd like to do right now is, is switch gears a little bit and excuse John Hoke so he can go play with his granddaughter who he held on his lap for a portion of this podcast. And we welcome um, 2024 Hall of Fame inductee uh, Patrick Wagner. Um, we've already talked about Patrick and his longtime success at Milwaukee Riverside and, and all of the things that he's had to negotiate um, while coaching Milwaukee Riverside. Uh, Patrick, thank you for joining us. All right, gentlemen, thank you for having me. It's a real honor and pleasure. And um, listening to this first part of the podcast, I'm really impressed. And before I say anything else, Tom, congratulations, man. You are very deserving of that honor from working with you for so many years and working under you. It's, yeah, I, I can't say enough great things about you and the positive impact you've had, not just in the city of Milwaukee, but the state of Wisconsin and everybody who's been part of the WFCA. Thank you so much. So it's, it's been, I'm really proud of you, man. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. Now I said, I was going to tell a story on, on Patrick and, and I'm going to take uh, an opportunity to do this right now. Um, Patrick and I used to play each other in non-conference games when I was at Wauwatosa East. And um, the first year that Patrick took over the program there, we played them and um, the game wasn't close. Um, it was, you know, over at halftime and, and Patrick was coaching his ass off. And, and it was just one of those things where, you know, his team was just outmatched. And, you know, I had some pretty good teams at that time at Wauwatosa East. And after the game, Patrick came up to me and he said, coach, I'm embarrassed by the way we played. And I promise you next year, we're going to be able to give you a game. Well, the next year we, we played Patrick again. And I think we won by a score of like 14 to seven, mm -hmm. the improvement that Riverside saw in one year was absolutely amazing. And I just know how hard Patrick has worked to get Riverside to the level that it was. Um, you know, it's one thing to make the state semifinals uh, in the football play playoffs. It's another to do so with a Milwaukee City Conference team. And Patrick has been able to do that um, twice. And Patrick, again, I, I, I called you the godfather of City Conference football, and I, I really believe that. You are. I appreciate that. Thank you. And, you know, I, I have nothing to do with it. But if, if I had anything to say, I think that there should be three divisions of football in the city conference. I think there should be the Richardson division, the Blackburn division, and the Wagner division. I appreciate That's that. how Thank highly I, I think of you. Thank so you. what I'd like to do, and I know what Tom and, and, and Paul want to do as well, is really talk to you about all the things that you've done, uh, you know, not only at Riverside, but for city conference football, for football in the city of Milwaukee in general. Um, so I don't know if I want to lead this off with, with Paul or Tom, Tom, I know you got to leave, uh, soon. If you've got something you'd like to, to, um, add, please do so now. Yeah. Coach, I, you know, I, I told the guys I'm taking my, my kids to a, to a movie, a late afternoon movie. So I'm, I'm ducking out here in a second, but coach, what, what compelled you to stay in the city conference with all of its challenges that, that it does have. And a lot of guys, um, 
maybe would look for what some might consider greener pastures. Uh, what compelled you to say, no, this is where I want to be and this is where I'm going to make a difference? One, Riverside, it's just home, right? The east side of Milwaukee has, has been home and it feels like home. And it's the best way I can put this is you try to make wherever you are the best you can before you leave it, right? So a couple things kind of went into this. One, I was a GA at UW-Whitewater under Bob Brezowitz, and we were in a meeting room, and this was the early, mid-90s. And we had discussed somehow the, you know, the, worst, the best and worst football programs in the state of Wisconsin. And Riverside had popped up as like had one of the longest losing streaks. They didn't have football for – or varsity football for a year. And um, it was basically, honestly, between us and Sherwood. And then however fate or God or whatever you want to discuss those things, I student taught at Riverside. And then I ended up getting a, the job there. And like I said, it's just – it's always been home ever since. My second view has always been that – the kids who come through our door deserve the very best, just like every other kid, right? So it doesn't matter what their zip code is or, you know, everybody's got different challenges. But for me, it, was, it wasn't like I was necessarily letting kids down, but I look at kids and when I, when I talk to our players, it was always, guys, you, de- you also deserve great coaching and great teachers and, and opportunities to make yourself better. And I think really as, as I'm leaving high school coaching right now that, that at least I can say I accomplished was that I tried to help a lot of kids make their dreams come true and going to college or being businessmen or, you know, I've had a couple guys lucky enough that are playing in the NFL. And so it's really, it's just that, right. You just, you kind of have this point of focus in your life. And that's for me, it was always just trying to help the kids that walk through my door. And so that's, yeah. In a nutshell. Patrick, yeah, you know, again, having spent time in the city, all right, I, I was at Tech and I was at Vincent's, and, um, you know, I've used the word navigate. You know, like you, you have this, this uh, you know, situation where um, there's so many moving parts. It's just different. I don't know how else to say it, but it's, it's just different. It's, it's, you know, the administration at the school, it's, it's the, uh, district administration and athletics. Um, it, it, there's just all these factors that um, make it difficult to do what you, what you've done and, and, or what you do as a coach in the city and certainly your success having to, to do all that um, is incredible. But I think you've been a change agent too. I, I think, you know, my opinion is you've been vocal, you've been a great leader, and, and you have fought for things in the city. You, you have, you're not afraid to speak out nor approach um, administrators, district level administrators for change. And I, I, I can tell you like when I was in the city and I know in speaking to other coaches in the city, that's, that's always been appreciated. And um, how, how do you think some of your ideas and some of the things when you, when you've wanted to see change you know, how has that been met at, at like the district level? Uh, it, it's been mul- it's been multiple 
how I put this? It, one, it depends on who's who I'm talking to at that point in time, right? So, and a lot of this just comes down to relationships and then how do you frame your problem? So, or the situation that we're in. And it's just a matter of getting the right people involved, the people who can actually accelerate the change, right? And then to be honest, it's it's almost like, you want to phrase it in a way that it, it's almost like their idea sometimes, right? <laughs> so that they take a little more credit for it. Um, however you want to, you know, put that, but with all the, as Tom, as you know, it's like, as people come and go in the city, as far as leadership wise, it's a lot of it just developing relationships, but then it is, it's how do you frame what you need to get done? And then a lot of people just don't want to hear the problem, right? You want, you want to have a solution right away. Right. So it's our discussion was has always been for a long time, middle school fo- or youth football in the city and programs come and go. So it's like, so what are some options that we can really practically do to grow the sport in the city and to try to keep those students who are in MPS continue to go to MPS and, and see some improvement in that form. Right. And that, that discussion has been going on for a while and we try things and things fail. Some things improve and, you know, you just keep working. You don't, you know, keep, you don't give up, so. Paul? Yeah, one of the things when I did a little research on you is you created the NFL Junior Player Development Program way back, probably 15, 20 years ago. Can you just yep. can you talk a little bit about that? Actually, it somehow, and I'm going to put this to Bob Brezowitz because Bob, I love Bob. He's the world to me. Um, yeah, for those of you who are listening who don't know Bob Brezowitz, is or was Bob was the head football coach at University of Wisconsin Whitewater for many years. Had played there, um, and Bob coached me and allowed me to coach for him. And so, where I'm going with this is my first two or three years at Riverside. I want to say Bob put me up for the NFL high school coaches program, and it was and so the NFL picked one coach from each state, and so it was like a, a weekend get together at Canton. They had speakers. Um, yeah, it was very impressive, just the knowledge and, and some of the discussions. Well, anyways, I'm going to bomb the guy's name, but he's out in New York, and they had just started the NFL junior player and high school to player development program. And I'm like, this is exactly what we could use in Milwaukee because they were trying to help build inner city football. So once I had that discussion with them, they gave that to me and allowed me to run with it for a few years until um, the NFL decided to, to go a different route, right? Because it, it's always about money, you know, in some way, shape, or form, right? But I did that for a number of years, and I really thought that helped because we had a number of kids who came through and just the fundamentals of football, right? And it helped us coach coaches because then it helped us take the coaches, and we gave them um, kind of what USA football has now done, right? You have a, a way of teaching – um, there's practice plans, there's uh, correct ways to hit, correct ways to block. And so I thought that that program did help us move in the right direction as far as how to teach players or how to teach student athletes. And it also helped with the recruiting process, getting more kids involved. Because when the NFL's name is behind it, you know, more kids seem to be interested. Yes, Paul? Yeah, what were some of the, you know, okay, I live in northern Wisconsin. Um, totally different than Milwaukee City. And Tom talks about it all. But from those people that really don't 
live it day to day. Um, what what are some of the major obstacles that you faced in your career there? Poverty, uh, the amount of I want. I'm going to put it this way: it's the amount and the type of poverty. And so here's where I'm going with this: is one of the the big issue for certain kids, like they can't afford to get places, right? So like my, so kids at Riverside, they may struggle to go to a camp or they struggle to go like some of the youth football, they may not be able to pay for youth football, but just the fact of like some of my kids, and I know, I know this is statewide, this is not just the city. It's just that there's more of us in the city, right? Kids who don't eat, kids who have a one parent household that is somewhat stressful on them, right? Because they're expected to do more things. Um, Some of my kids have to work where the, you know, they're paying bills and that's just not on top of, you know, here academically, they may go home and nobody's home because the, the single parent is working. Well, who helps them with homework? Right. Or just transportation's another issue. Hey coach, I can't get certain places. Um, it, that is the, one of the biggest factors into what, why you see what's going on. Right. The, there's a second part I want to, that is a piece to this is, um, when you look at the single parent family households and there's no dad, well, who's the kid playing catch with, right? We talk about that in baseball too, right? It's like the, so the kids will gravitate toward basketball because it's easy, right? They don't necessarily need someone to play catch with or, you know, to teach them certain things. So that's part of the dynamic is the family makeup, the amount of poverty. Um, and honestly, and in big places like Milwaukee, you have so many choices, that and what I mean is they're negative and positive, but like for schools and other things. So how do you get kids motivated to maybe not play video games or to do other things? And so that's another piece of it is you're trying to sell why should you play football and what what do you have or what will the family get out of it? Because now, especially with you know after COVID, right, more kids are working, so you're going to see a dip in numbers just because how many kids? Hey, I got a part-time job, I like it, and th- those kids in the past would have played football. Yeah, you know, and everything you said there, uh, Patrick, um, certainly describes my time in coaching in the city conference and, um, you know, just getting, you know, like I, I was at Vincent last year and, and, you know, it's on the far northwest side of Milwaukee. Well, I have, you know, I had players who lived really far away from mm-hmm. Vincent. And these aren't kids who are, you know, got cars and are driving to, to anything, you know, so um, even something like, like workouts, you know, expecting to have a summer workout program, you know, um, it's just difficult. You Okay. Be there at, you know, I I will go whatever time you want to go, I'll go, you know, so the kids kind of decide, well, what would work best is four in the afternoon. Okay. So we set it up at four in the afternoon and you might have six kids one day and 20 the next, you know, there's just no continuity. Thus they fall behind their, their, you know, other schools that, that have that, that kind of thing. Um, And I know that you have, what you've contributed on the football field is one thing. Obviously you're a really good coach and you coach your coaches. Well, you watch Riverside play. It's, you know, it's you're, you, you wouldn't come away thinking, Oh, that's city conference football. That's just a good football team that you see out there. You know, they can play with anybody. And, um, but 
it's it's those things that you describe, Patrick, that I know you got involved in your your players and not just your players, but all the students at Riverside, because I know all the different roles you've had at the school. You you do the best you can to improve their lives and okay, you need transportation. How about this? Or, you know, you need a job. Well, maybe you can look here. You know, like you've yeah. you've been sort of that conduit between um, you know, what they need and 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 helping them get what they need. And and I, I think again that that speaks volumes and, and and why you won the you know the Dick and Margie um, Rundle positive influence of coaching is all the things that you've done. Um, Thank you. you know, yeah, and you know, here's the other thing, and I, I kind of mentioned it before. Um, name another coach that has been as you know during your time at Riverside, which was obviously a long time. Is there any other coach that even approaches you in time spent in the city? Some of the Maybe old Cal timers. Matthews or somebody, right? And but Cal, you know, it's, I look at it this way. Um, I do want to say there's a little bit of a difference between being a head coach and being an assistant coach, right? Because head coach, you got to you got to take it home, and you are, like you said, right? You're in the weight room every day in the summertime. Um, if am I? I'm, I've had great assistant coaches, right? And that that's part of why when you're when I was good, when we had good teams. I had a great staff. And so that that's a big part of it is, is who, who else do you surround your students with? Right. Um, when we had a couple lean years, the staff was, you know, like one, one year wonders type of guys, right. They came in, you're like, okay, you're not really working out with us because you thought it was something else, etc. But where I, I backtrack on, it's like when I first got in the city, like Greg Lehman, right. Um, yeah. Oh my God. Kano at tech. Right. Um, there was a few guys that were just they were longtime guys. Right. And it's like as, as I learned from those guys right away and, and how to do things or the changes, especially Greg Lehman, like Greg and I, we'd have some really good conversations about this, how the city changes and how to stay in front of that. As far as guys my age who came in, nobody's been the same. Or it's like, you know, I'm, I'm the oldest guy by far. Calvin Matthews, I know, is pretty close. Um, but I think he's hung it up or pretty close to hanging it up there at King, right. As, as far as an assistant coach. Right. Yeah. So it's, it, that's been part of the challenge. Like you said, is, is being able to, to continue to, to want to work even with all the challenges that are presented to us. And, and to, you know, you, you've mentioned that you've retired as, as the football coach there and, um, I can't even imagine somebody that has put as much time and effort into uh, something like you've done, you know, Riverside football, how difficult that decision was. It just must have tore you apart. Um, often it, often on it, it came down to, uh, there's a couple factors, but there's one main one was that, and that was my kids. Yeah. So my son is the lacrosse player. And in all honesty, he's he's been reaching a level of lacrosse play that would take me out of weight room in the summertime, um, of missing the first week of, of two days for or of you know the first week of high school football, right? And so this last this last summer, especially all of a sudden, I'm like, holy smokes! Like we're we're gone a lot, 
Um, I can't run a program like I should run a program. Yeah. And luckily for me, like I said, my staff at Riverside was is just these last few years has been phenomenal. And so they really picked up some slack for it. And so by the time the season was over, I'm like, I, this is not fair to my kids. It's not fair to my staff. And, you know, I decided to move on. And then it just, it's weird how it works out. Then I ended up, now I'm going to coach a D line at Wisconsin Lutheran college. And when I talked to, they had called me about it a couple months ago. And I just said, Hey, look, this is why I left Riverside. And they knew about it and they were okay with me given what I can, I guess. Yeah. And also that the college game starts a week later. Right. So that helps. Cause this, this first week in August, my son, we're going to be in Maryland for a week for lacrosse. And so it's like, you know, I only get four more years really with my son before he's out the door and I don't want to miss a beat. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I faced the same, the same situation when I left Brookfield East, my daughter was entering her senior year of soccer at UWM. I rarely saw my daughter play rarely, you know, like her games would be on Saturdays and I might go down and watch them play whoever for a half or something. And then it's like, shit, I got to get my scouting report done. I got to watch, you know, I was just, I was there, but I wasn't there. And, you know, so I wanted, I I wanted to spend some time with my daughter and her soccer career at UWM. And my son was going to be playing football at Michigan tech. And I wanted to watch him play. And, you know, we practiced every Saturday. What what I do not go to practice now on Saturdays and expect everybody else to do it. I mean, how can I yes. expect people to be there when I'm not there? I mean, that that was the family considerations that I had. It had nothing to do with, you know, dissatisfaction at Brookfield East or anything. I mean, I knew we had a great team. We had the best player in the state coming back the next year. Yeah, you, you know? did. That, that, that team was, when you walked away, yeah. it was it's like nobody believed think, it. No. And I've never told anybody why I've done it. This is like the first time it was family considerations is why I left. Right. I just, I had to finally do something for my family. And I applaud you, Patrick, for, for making that decision as, as tough as that can be. No, Paul, they, you, it, you have something, I think. Uh, go ahead, Patrick, you want to finish. Uh, so it, he was part of this, the job that I think people outside of coaching don't understand is like you spend so much time away from your family and you end up as as both of you guys have been, I think most of the coaches that you become like a second parent or you're really a main role model for all the kids that we come in contact with. And so in my case where it's like you're trying to help kids get transportation, you're trying to help kids do whatever, my view was always once my kids get to that age, it's like I got to put them first because for a long time, like you're really trying to help other kids who don't have those opportunities right? It's like, coach, I can't get here. I can't get here. It's like, so you're trying to set up transportation or, you know, little things like that. And once you, once you get to that point where you're like, Hey man, I really want to make sure my kid has the same opportunity that I'm trying to give these other kids, that decision becomes a little bit easier. So. Yeah. It really wasn't a hard decision for me in that respect either. It was the right thing to do. And, um, you know, I did it. Sure. Yeah, that's, I was going to echo the same, I think, too. People have done this, and I'm not talking doing this for one or two years. I coached for 30 years. They have no idea the sacrifices your family and your personal health take because you're, 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 you know, in the summertime, you're doing maybe eight hours in the weight room having coaches' meetings when everybody else is taking vacations. I used to hate it when I'd come back to in service and everybody'd say, Wow, I did this, I did this, I did this. What did I do? I was down in the weight room. I was at camp. And, and that's great. I loved it. But, 
you know, Patrick, I just want to end kind of maybe with this. What, what are some of your best memories and things that you'll always take away from, you know, Riverside? It, I guess one is just being able to hear when I see, when I see alumni that played for me and they'll stop me and stop my wife and kids and they're, and they just have nothing but wags. Thanks. I appreciate everything you did for me. I'm really sick. You know, got a lot of my guys are really not movers and shakers in the city of Milwaukee. And we always had that conversation of guys here. When you, when you leave Riverside here, leave for a couple of years and then come back to the city and help us, you know, kind of read, you know, like master locks closing on us. Right. So that's another 400 jobs. So it's like we're trying to find our guys to be entrepreneurs and come back and create opportunities. Other city, a better place. Have these discussions. Like a couple, we know you're not there, and it's like now that they're able to, right? And so you have this growth over time. That's one of them. Two is just watching my kids. When honestly, when we we won eight. And my kids' faces just because that never leaves, right? Or their faces when we, you know, we were lucky enough to, to go to two state semifinal games and knocking off Sussex, Hamilton, and Homestead and Marquette and watching the guys who in the past the, that success was never really there and all of a sudden now they're there. And then honestly, watching kids as, as the college coaches come through because we've had, I want to say, finished with like 81 college football players. So helping those guys get through the process, right? And, and the families are really super appreciative because they're like, we never thought this was possible. Like I had a kid who um, who went to West Point, became captain for Army. And he had wrote me a note a year into being at Army. He's like, Wags, man, I thought I was a basketball player. I never thought anything like this was even possible for me. You know, just thank you very much. And it's those little things like that, right? Because you still, you guys know, it's like you still keep good relationships with your with your ex-players for the most part, you may not talk to them every day, but you know, once, once you see them again, it's just, you just picked up where you left off and, you know, watching guys be successful outside of, outside of the, the football program really to me is, is what it's just all about. Well, and I know how much you did. I mean, not just college recruiting, but camps and everything you, you were so involved and, and, and did so many things for your players um, so out of your way. Um, and I, I think the people at Riverside certainly appreciate you and, and they, they love you for everything you've done for not only the football program there, but for the school, but they still really don't understand all the things you did. You know, they, they don't get the, the, how you got kids to wherever they ended up and how much work actually went into it. They're appreciative that it happened, but they don't understand the amount of work. And, you know, sadly for me, when I think about the city conference without Patrick Wagner, you know, like who's the guy now who's going to do all the stuff that, that Patrick did. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, Greg Roman's a great guy and boy, is he involved and he's a super leader and there's others, you know, but, you know, there's, you cannot be replaced. And right, thank you. Um, I think that is the, the, the theme of, of this, not only in you're going into the hall of fame, but you know, your legacy and what you've done, there's just very, very few coaches in the state of Wisconsin 
who have done what you've done in the manner in which you've done it. And, um, you know, I, I got to tell you, Patrick, I am so looking forward to August 6th or August, April 6th, excuse me, next year, if that's in fact is the date of the Hall of Fame banquet. Um, I can't wait to see you march in there behind those bagpipes and 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 just soak it all in. And I know that there's going to be a ton of people representing Milwaukee Riverside that night, um, table upon table upon table of of tigers and, you know, just, just applauding you and, and reveling in your success. Um, so I, I just, I, I am so happy. I consider you a, a good friend of mine and you've Thank done you, a lot too. for Thank me. You. Thank you've you. No, you too, man. Yeah, I appreciate everything and really consider you a great friend. And it's been a fun journey, man. I can't say, you know, when you look back at it, it's like, it's those, those little moments, right. That you just take away for forever, really that mean the most. So, and I really appreciate everything. Thank you. Patrick, the last thing, do you have anybody? And then Paul, one more thing. And then Paul, and um, you know, is there anyone you want to thank? Is there anyone when you look back that that's really impacted your career um, has helped you in any way? Obviously your family begins with that, but yeah. you know, who, who do you want to thank? Who was who so, a part of this journey with you? I, there's a there's a handful of coaches, um, in high school, it was Jack Seinold at Menominee Falls. He he lived down the street from me, and he really took me under his wing. Um, just not just as as far as like an athlete, but just as an overall human being. And then Jack, for people who don't know Jack, Jack was a head coach at Menominee Falls North. Then um, the schools combined, he was their defensive coordinator, and then he became head coach at Carthage, and now he's down in Texas. And um, I'm still in touch with them every once in a while. Um, it just, but he meant the world to me. And then, of course, Bob Brezowitz at Whitewater. Um, Bob's honestly like a second father. We just, I just worked camp and saw Bob last week. Um, but that my time at Whitewater for me is really special. Bruce Bukowski has been, God, he was, a God, like, you know, you, these guys to me are like fathers to me, like Brez, because Brez gave me opportunities and Brez had made me his top GA my last year there at school and just the responsibility and you know it's like when you're a kid like that and the coach is giving you the stuff to do it's like you don't want to let them down and make sure you're doing things the right way and I learned so much football from Bruce Bukowski and just how to conduct yourself um, and being successful and everything else and I mean I owe Boo the world of course uh, Stan Zwiefel who's not Dubuque he was my last offensive coordinator um, Lance Leopold at who's now at Kansas you know I played under Lance when he was over at Whitewater for that one year, um, and we're still friends. And then, honestly, Rick Johnson at Milwaukee Riverside. Rick gave me an opportunity. Um, he was a head coach when I got there, got me on staff right away, and was really super supportive of me throughout my process. Rick's retired now a number of years. but And obviously, everybody at Riverside's been phenomenal. But um, you know, Rick Johnson, really, for those number of years, was really – I can't – I couldn't have done this without him. So – in a nutshell, it's those guys. And obviously a bunch of the guys in the FCA because you don't – you get to bounce ideas off of each other and just, you know, you end up playing the same guys all the time. Like I'd play you, right? I'd play Bill Young every time at, at you know, playing Pewaukee now all the time. So it's, it is it is. It's about your network, really, right? You know, if you're if successful, guys have a great network. So Yeah. Paul, 
Jack Seidel actually came to Wasa East for a while. Yes, I forgot about that. Yeah, I forgot guy. about that. I yeah. still keep in contact. I think he's Texas with his daughter. Yes, yeah, she's with the Rangers. It cracks yeah. me up because yeah. I used to babysit her, right? So it's just it's hey, this full circle like thing that I've free ticket. I forgot. Yeah, yeah, I gotta I gotta reach out to him. No, uh, I just, but I forgot about Wasa East. Yeah. Yeah. Patrick, I just want to say thank you. Congratulations. Thank you for all you've done for the Milwaukee City kids, especially Riverside. I've, I've watched you. I watched your team. Uh, congratulations. Very deserving of it. Thank you, guys. I really appreciated everything. Thank you so much. Well, and with that, we're going to end this podcast. This is a much longer podcast than, than we've had previously, but it's it, for good reasons. And um, I, I want to thank uh, Paul and, and Tom for all they do for the podcast. I, I couldn't do it without them. They contribute so much. Um, and I also want to thank uh, all our listeners for, for tuning in as they do all the time. We're, we're getting more and more people listening to this. Um, and that, that's just great that, that people are doing that. And as always, when um, you have questions or comments or suggestions for the podcast, uh, don't hesitate to reach out to myself or Paul or Tom. And uh, we re really are interested in what you have to say. So with that, everybody, uh, have a great 4th of July and good night, everyone. Mm -hmm.